the law of faith. Most focused on the word law. And this is where I, I, I caution you, and I hope I don't have to go over it over and over and over and over again, but will if I have to, that we get the understanding that a law doesn't work kind of. A law works very specifically. And the more we understand the specifics of that specificity, that's that tightness, the more we are able to use the law. There was one time when all we knew about gravity was that it made apples fall out of a tree. But we started there, and from apples falling out of a tree, now we can figure out how much Jupiter weighs because we've used those same principles and we now know how to send you know, spaceships into, into orbit, send them to the other side of the galaxy and back because we understand how the gravitational forces of all of these planets and stars and asteroids and projections and, and torpedoes and rockets and all of these type of things all working together with such amazing precision that we're able to do those kind of things. We didn't do that just by saying, wow, apples fall from trees. No, what we did was is we kept learning the specifics of how to be able to do the things that are relative to gravity. I believe that the next thousand years of the kingdom, I certainly hope the next hundred years, because I plan on being around for that many, but the next hundred years and thousand years of the kingdom is going to be an understanding of this law of faith. And many people would say, well, faith was kind of that thing we did in the 70s. It was the thing we did in the 70s, but as you're going to understand, everything works by seed time and harvest. You got to plant a seed and then it dies. Take a moment. And then out of that seed, out of the death of that seed, has the ability now to create the, the growth. And the growth so exponential that I believe it's about to change the way that we're, the, literally change the face of Christianity and change certainly the face of this earth. Simply because we begin to understand something that we have not understood before. Consider in our lives today the understanding of something like gravity or electrical circuitry and how electrical or electronics or electrical things have literally transformed the world that we live in. Do you know that this body pack on the, on, right here in the back sends an electronic signal to a receiver at the back of the room which pumps it through all kinds of different circuitry and what you hear is my voice coming out of those speakers. If you consider how complex that process is now, that's not, that, do, how many of you were impressed that we could do that? That's just commonplace. That cell phone that, that just dinged right there has more circuitry in it than the original computer that would fill the size of this building. We have learned not because we just fell out of bed and go, oh, let's make a cell phone that's got, no. We kept learning incrementally about how the law of these things work. What we have to do, first of all, I have to start off right from the beginning by saying this is not guidelines. Faith is not a guideline. Faith is a law. Yeah. And if you use the law, even if you don't really understand it, how many of you know gravity works on me whether I, whether I want it to or not, whether I understand it or not? Yeah. I was praying the whole time we were away at Alex and Danielle's wedding that I wouldn't put on weight, but guess what? <laughs> gravity is going to work on you whether you understand it or not. Faith is going to work on you 
whether you understand it or not. The opportunity now recognizing that what Jesus did when he came here, primarily what he did in his teaching ministry was he wanted to explain to us the law of faith. So in the science world, we should have people like Newton, we should have Einstein, and we should have Jesus. Because what Jesus was explaining to us was just as much a scientific principle as gravity or electronics. We didn't treat it like that because way back in the day of Aristotle and Pluto, there's, there wasn't science really. And we moved Jesus towards religion. When Jesus didn't even like religion. If anybody Jesus didn't like, read Matthew chapter 24. If he didn't like religious people and he didn't really believe in taking God and putting him in a box and then telling everybody else, you can't go in the box. And so when we're understanding, we have to allow our brains to shift into a different way of thinking about what Jesus was doing. And we say, we all can say, no, Christianity is not a religion. Everybody says that. It's not a problem to find out what it's not. The problem is to find out what it is. What Jesus came to release to us is an understanding how this whole entire world of creation operates. And then he would teach us, and then he would go and do freakishly awesome things that prove to us that he could do or that he was right, that he understood things. Walked on water, you know, fed 20,000 people with a filet of fish sandwich, raised people from the dead. This was extraordinary, and we relegated it all into this mystical kind of who could ever understand what Jesus was doing. When he said, I'll teach you, and went about everywhere preaching and teaching how this stuff works. And so last time I was here, anyways, I'm recapping. And so this law now, as we begin to talk about the law, how the law works is absolutely indomitable. The law of gravity is inescapable. In order to, for planes to fly, they don't ignore gravity. They use gravity and the forces of gravity in a very, very, very specific way in order to defy it, but they can't break it. There is no gravity-free zone anywhere. Even if you were to go, like I've listened to some of this stuff on, you know, astrophysics and all that, that, you know, everything, the, the, one of the reasons that Earth can remain so safe is because Jupiter is in our solar system. Wow. And Jupiter is so freakishly large and has such an extraordinary gravitational pull that all the dust from our solar system gets attracted to Jupiter. And instead of hitting Earth with a sandstorm of dust, it goes and hits Jupiter. The gravitational pull, gravity, even in the, the weirdest of spots, is still affecting things, and affecting things with extraordinary precision. The same thing right now is happening with this law. This, the faith of somebody on the other side of the planet is to some very small degree affecting you. 
Every single person. Let me ask you a question. If I had a bucket, a 50-gallon drum bucket in the front of the room here, and it was half full of water, and I took an eyedropper, and I put a drop of water in that bucket, would it affect the level of the water? Yeah, only in the most infinitesimal way, but it would affect it. And if you keep, you'd know that, because if I put a little tap here and it dripped one drip an hour and we came back next week, we'd find the floor wet. And we'd wonder, how'd that happen? It's just dripping. No, after a while, we can see that it's changing the levels of things. That's exactly all of human uh, existence, all of human experience right now in all of the earth is being uh, affected by even one person's, one person's, one person's faith, faith. When we get that, the single concept, what we are then going to have the power to do is seize our own lives and say, then if I've been given that power and authority over my own life, then I'm going to do my part to transform what's inside of me so that the kingdom of heaven gets inside of me. When it gets inside of me, it gets outside of me. When it gets outside of me, it's visible for others to see, which means the seeds that my life is sowing, even though I'm only just not cussing you out when you're ahead of me in the line in Tim Hortons, just doing that is affecting the world. And what we have to do is simply open up right now for the next like three hours or so and understand that what I'm about to talk to you about aren't guidelines. They're not negotiable principles. And they have to work in alignment as we talked about last time. You can't do half faith. A three-wheeled car still can't go anywhere. It's gotta all be working. When we get it to work, even if all you do is believe for $5, use the principle, believe for $5. And start to see and learn for yourself how the, that's how Newton did it. Newton didn't go, I think I'm going to invent a starship. He said, I think I'm going to see if I can figure out how the apple fell. That's all. That's what I'm saying is, and can I tell you something? Been bugging me like crazy the last couple of days. I was bugged by Dr. Strange, actually. I know that's strange. But I was bugged by the fact that at the beginning of the movie, he didn't know a thing. By the end of the movie, he was... The, hey, spoiler, sorry. Put your fingers in your ears if you haven't seen the movie. By the end of the movie, he is the Jedi Master. I know I'm switching metaphors or platforms. That's not how this works. I know that everybody wants there to be the Neo experience where you plug a hard drive into the back of your brain and all of a sudden you can do Taekwondo or whatever that was, Jiu-Jitsu. That's not how this works. Don't expect that this is how this works. Remember the chart, right? The famous chart. What is yet to be will soon be a famous chart. Maybe that's a cool tattoo if anybody's looking for one. Then you can put it across your back and just come up here and I can just draw on your back, you know? When, when we, listen, what this is here, this process from here to here is time. We have got to be okay with the fact 
that we're going to learn not only as a persons but and individuals, but as a congregation, and then we're going to learn as this begins to affect people all around the world. We gotta be okay with the fact that this is, we have gotta join the journey even if by tomorrow morning all your problems haven't gone away. We gotta be okay with that. Because North American Christianity is all about you'll have everything you need by the time I pray for you at the end of service today. And we've done that, perpetuated that type of mentality because it really works well from a marketing principle or from a, you know, let's whoop it up today principle. The problem is, is that it's all kindling. There's no hardwood. This is the stuff that's going to transform the world. It's going to transform the way Christianity is on the planet simply because it's going to give the New Testament back to the kingdom of God. See, the New Testament, as we, as we were originally given it on, in the second half of your Bible, really doesn't exist, unfortunately, a lot in the earth today. It does all over the place. And, and in every religion and in every denomination, it's not like anybody's got it, and we certainly don't. But the New Testament is a very specific thing, and it isn't a place, something that should get lost in a religious environment. It should just be God trying to help each one of us get transformed in our lives so that we can accomplish the destiny that he put in us before the foundation of the world. And that destiny has the very power to be an extraordinary blessing to the entire world. We don't need to be buying into this 1% growth GDP every year. We could be extraordinarily more powerful as human beings, transforming the world that we live in and others. And so understanding then, we have to be ready to do this carefully. And don't freak out if when you leave tomorrow, all your problems haven't gone away. And not to say you can't believe that, and we can help you with that. And there's lots of stuff to understanding how all that works. But again, this stuff is not happenstance is what I'm trying to tell you. It's not a lottery wheel. It's not a come to church as often as you can so that you can get something. Although you do come to church as often as you can, you come because there's an understanding that's going to be here for you to systematically and procedurally transform your heart, which is going to transform your world. It's what Kylie was referring to when she was talking about the production. There is things going on in that production that are intentionally going on because they have the power to really engage with somebody to transform their heart. It's not just singing and dancing. There is stuff that's going on through their process that's in the underpinnings of what they're doing, all driven by how is this going to affect the heart of a human being and are we going to get it moved over into the right? Is there something that we can sow as a seed into somebody? Can we get it in there this way? Can we open a window and pop it in that way? Do we always have to go in the door? And understanding those things then has the power to then use these principles to become effective in culture and in the, the world in every dimension that, the, that culture operates. And then it will, it, it will, it will have, it is going to do it. I'm not, you know, it's oftentimes hard to predict things, particularly when they're about the future, but I'll tell you that this is what's going to happen. The seed is already out. It may only grow one tomato in my lifetime, but inside that tomato is gonna be 20 seeds. It may take a thousand years even for somebody else to even talk about it. Doesn't have to, but once the seed is out, you can't put the seed back in the bag. It's like Creeping Charlie. Once it's in your yard. Okay, so let's go go to Mark chapter four. Let me talk about this. Go to Mark chapter four with me. And I want to show you this 
what I just said in scriptural form so that it's not just Ian's opinion. It is Ian's opinion. But Ian's opinion didn't just wake up this morning. It comes out of scripture. And so in Mark chapter 4, if you look in verse uh, 21 there, now Mark chapter 4, one of the foundational places which we are going to visit, hopefully today, but we're going to visit when it comes to understanding the law. The principles of the, the law as they're laid out in very, you know, very foundational bottom shelf kind of stuff is in Luke chapter 4, I mean Mark chapter 4, Luke chapter 8, Matthew chapter 13, when Jesus is preaching and teaching on the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower is Jesus' science lesson on the law of faith and how faith works. But in Mark chapter 4 now, after Jesus has talked about the gospel of the kingdom or the law of faith or the parable of the sower, whichever one you want to call them, they're all the same thing, he begins to talk to us about the power of faith and what faith does. Listen to how he says it. And he said unto them, Jesus speaking, is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick? For nothing is hid that shall not be made manifest. Neither was anything kept secret that it should not come abroad. Now, that kind of sounds very new, you know, uh, what's it, New King Jamesy or Old King Jamesy. It's kind of religious sounding, but what Jesus is basically saying in context of the parable of the sower is that if you put the seed in the ground, nothing can stop that seed from coming up. Nothing is hid, nothing is made secret or put into a dark place. Nothing is put in there that does not come forth. And so what he's talking about is the indomitable power of faith. The Bible tells us that faith overcomes the world. What that's talking about is that faith, the principle of faith, the power of faith is absolutely supreme when it comes to this natural world. Nothing in this natural world can resist the power of faith. When Jesus said it in Hebrews chapter 11, he said that the worlds that we live in, this natural realm that we live in, was created by faith. Having come from things that were all things that are seen, have come from things that at one time were unseen. So what he's talking to us about here is the, the basic programming code to all that is. Think about it in our context, very easy. In our, in our world, we know that when we type on a keyboard, the, the, the letters come up, the, 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 yes. the, the words and letters appear on the monitor. We know that it goes through the keyboard, it goes into the computer, then the computer does vipity, 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 and up onto the screen, we have those letters being created. We can then understand that inside of that computer, there is software operating systems that take keystrokes and turn them into letters. That is exactly what happens in our natural creation. That faith, whatever, the, the, oper the computer that's down underneath your desk is taking all of your keystrokes and putting them up on the monitor. The world is the computer system. 
Faith is that computer system. It's taking whatever we input and putting it up on the monitor. Or it's taking our uh, expectations, the images and belief systems of our mind, and it is creating them up on the screen. When we can understand as impossible or as crazy as that sounds, that's how our world works. The problem is, is that most of us grew up not understanding how the world works this way. When Jesus came here, he came to tell us, this is how the world works. And we've lost it in kind of the cryptic language of parables and Jesus speaking and all this kind of stuff. It's nothing here, the candle, bush on bush. All of this kind of stuff is we've lost what he's actually talking about. He's just saying that when the word, any seed gets in the ground, nothing can stop it from coming to pass. Nothing. And so then he goes on to say, be careful then because faith is also fluid. And so he says, be careful what you hear. So when I'm going to see Dr. Strange, I realize that they're talking about a lot of principles that I don't want to hear, but they're talking about some stuff I'd like to get a little bit of an understanding of. And it's a tough, it's a tough spot for me because I'm constantly, because of what? Because I, I don't want to be I don't want to go to the world to understand stuff. I want to, maybe they can help me to understand what this is, what's going on here, maybe with some imagery, but I got to be super careful. I got to be super, everybody got to be super careful. And can I tell you something? When we go into our world, you have to be very aware. You got to know the truth. Because if you know the truth, you can hear the error. Is Robin Hood a good guy or a bad guy? Bad guy. Bad guy. I know the world tells, you know, Ocean's Eleven, the thieves, they're good guys or bad guys? Bad guys. We like them more than the good guys, but guess what? They're the bad guys. I booed at the cop the other night because I didn't like him, but he's the good guy. We get messed up with all of these things in the imagery, and it starts to change what we believe about things. Then you do that for 25 years, and then you can't figure out why they're rioting in the streets, and they're against the cops. I wonder how that happened. Hmm. A seed. Everything works this way. And we have to be so careful because it's fluid. Listen to what, as Jesus says it in verse 24 there, he said, take heed what you hear because what measure that you meet, the more attention and authority that you give it, it will be measured back to you again. The more we open up our hearts, this is a problem with our world today. We give Tom Cruise all kinds of credibility, the Bible, not so much. And when we do that, we elevate what he says. I'm saying, I'm not against him. Uh, he ain't comparable. He ain't even in the same, he ain't in the same eye shrink as the word of God. But the word of God has come under so much assault that in mo- even in Christians, the statistics are f- staggering. How many Christians don't think the Bible is true? It's staggering. Because it's come on, and I understand why. When you watch South Park and you watch Bart Simpson, they said the Bible wasn't true. It's just a dummy book. And that's, but, but, that's how it goes. See, faith is a law. It's going to work. And we have to be very careful 
that when we are allowing things and concepts and ideas into our mind. I remember a couple of Christmas ago, maybe 10 Christmases ago, uh, you know, we had gone through a, a season, we started in the ministry, so there was, you know, things financially were as tight as we could possibly make them in order to really give as much resource to the project that we, that we could. And so then I'm, I'm shopping one day, you know, there's a store in the Galleria, it's a, it's a kitchen store. And stuff, you go in there and there's, you know, $439 for a spoon or something like that. It's a very, 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 very nice spoon. But anyways, they were going through there. And a couple of my, both of my girls are, you know, cooking kitchen kind of stuffy people and all that. And so they're in there and they're kind of, oh, look at this knife. This is the knife that Guy Fieri uses. And, and so then I didn't want to hang out, you know, because I'm not really into kitchen things. So I go out into the hallway right there, and coincidentally, there is a bench given for all the guys to sit outside this door. And then as I sit down, I hear these words, you know, you guys deserve those knives. And I thought to myself, you know, that's, that's true. We do, des- we've worked hard. And all of a sudden, I caught it. You see, the concept was there. Somebody said, you deserve it. And I know what would have happened if I'd have bought into I deserve it. I would have, and maybe I couldn't go in there at that time and buy $3,700 worth of spoons. But if I couldn't, I would have got mad. Because I deserve it. Right? You see, you've got to be careful. You've got to know the truth. You've got to be able to see this stuff, not when it's an oak tree. You've got to see it when it's an acorn. Because you can catch it when it's an acorn, and I'm... St- Standing up in the middle of the mall with grit in my teeth, slapping my hands just like that, saying, no, you don't. I don't know what those people thought that I said. Because I know, see, this is what the problem is, is that when we don't treat it like a law, we go, oh, yeah, you know what? I wonder if I should think about that a little bit more. Because I don't get that it's a law. And if I get that it's a law, now I understand when I wake up in the morning and I have this foreboding feeling about the day being a bad day, now, nobody knows the future. The devil don't. He might be there trying to tell me it's going to be bad, but he don't know that. Right. Neither do I know that. So when I wake up in the morning, I decide it's going to be a good day. Yeah. You're guessing either way, right? Why would I wake up and it would be foreboding? It's a law. If I lay in bed and start foreboding about my foreboding, <laughs> it's a law. If you treat it like a law, You now are given the power to seize it and start dealing with the little bit about it that we already do know. When I can do that and step in at that level, then, as the Bible is about to tell us, verse 25, for he that hath, hath, old King James, he that has, to him shall be given. To him that has not, from him shall be taken even that which he has. What's that talking about? That's talking about the fact that faith is fluid. And he's talking about hearing. Whoever has hearing, whoever is listening, whoever's ear and heart and mind are open, to that person, he's going to get more. To him who is closed and isn't hearing, to him, even that which he has is going to be taken from him. Can I tell you something? Everybody has hearing. Everybody is listening to something. 
And what we have to be careful of in our culture, most of all, forever, I've never been a culture like this before, where we have the access to hear in such a global way. We hear ideas and concepts coming from all over the place. If you don't actively hear towards the things of God, the reason what you have will be taken from you is because you actually are hearing. But what you're hearing isn't the things of God. They're the intrusive things. Can I tell you, the Holy Spirit is pictured as a dove because he's very gentle. He's not intrusive. The devil is called a snake because he's intrusive. We don't have snakes around here much, but in other places of the world that have those things, you you wake up and there's one sitting on the floor in your bedroom because he found his way. He's intrusive. The things of the kingdom of darkness are intrusive. They're they're forcing their way into your mind, taking advantage of the weaknesses of your self, the woundings and the pain and the fear and the selfishness and all of these kind of the lusts and the greed and all that. They're So we have to be so careful because the devil understands this is a law. And just give it enough time and the law will work. And there's one thing the devil has that you don't, time. He can wait. We watch this in generations. We see this a lot in the the healing and deliverance ministry that we function around here. Well, the problem in great grandpa was really small. Very righteous generation, four generations ago, before the First World War. But all the devil wanted to do is get just just, just, just a little one in great-grandpa. But now by the time it's gone down into the third and fourth generation, because the seed grows, and it grows with every generation, a seed has the power to transform the world. And we've got to get away from this concept of judging people for everything that they do and engaging in a mechanism where we can create an environment where these things can be changed, where this understanding can be brought forth like an institute or a university, that it becomes a place where we are going to learn how to use this law and how to change the world, how that little dream When I say dream, when I say destiny to you, it may only be the faintest of whispers in your mind. But it is a seed. And if you will keep that seed and water that seed and understand how faith works as it brings that seed to pass, your seed can transform the world. Your idea can be the idea that makes the world a dramatically different place. And it may just be a seed, but we're going to learn how to bring that seed into 30, 60, and 100 fold and bless the entire world. Is anybody interested in that? When Jesus was here, this is what when we try to understand Jesus, the most amazing man ever to exist on the planet, how in the world did he think the best thing I should do with my life is give it up and hang on a cross. 
How did that ever make sense? Did you? Wouldn't it have made sense, even till today, if Jesus would have run for the presidency of the world, he would never have died, by the way, because there was no sin in him, he would still be the president of the world today. Wouldn't that have been a better idea? Wouldn't the world have been a little bit better place if Jesus would have forget the whole die on the cross thing and just go and be the president of all the galaxy? Wouldn't that have been better? We would have thought so, perhaps. But guess what? Jesus knew that except a seed die and go into the ground, say it, say it with me, it abides alone. He would have been way up there and we would have been way down here, still stuck in our barbary and misery and, and pain. Except a seed fall into the ground and die, it abides alone, Jesus said. Jesus wasn't doing a teaching. He was telling you something he believed so much that when God said, <coughs> Jesus, it's time to sow the seed that is going to bring all of humanity, all that will come. I'm about to open the door by planting a seed. As we receive communion today, communion is the demonstration of Jesus' belief system in this universal principle. That there is nothing that we should withhold from God coming to us and saying, Ian, it's time to sow that seed. Whatever the seed will be in your life, when I grasp the magnitude of what must have been in Jesus' mind, go ahead and give out those uh, emblems, guys. Whatever must have been in Jesus' mind as God was talking to him about that, it's a joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. What was that joy? That joy was him knowing that the universal principle was in effect. That there was no place in all of creation where that principle does not apply. He knew that as he laid down his life as a seed, he was opening the door for you to come to the place where he is. For you to understand, for your eyes to be opened, for you to grasp, for you to hear the things of the kingdom of God. He knew that was inevitable. He knew there was no force that could stop that from happening. He knew when he was hanging on the cross that all of the earth and all of creation was about to be redeemed. It might take 2,000, 3,000, 50,000 years to do so. But he knew hanging on that cross that this was now an inevitable reality. The world was going to be transformed simply because a seed was sown. Simply because Jesus bowed his knee, looked straight at your life, looked straight at your destiny, and he said, I know if I do this, they can do that. Simple. The same way you'd be for your own children. You look at them and realize the things that you're doing in their life right now is empowering them to be the people that they will be in the future. It's exactly what Jesus is doing. And so as we receive the 
the emblems of communion where what we're doing is we're celebrating. Was this a vicious act? Was it barbary to its utmost? Was it unjust? Of course it was all of those things. The more of those things it was, the greater of a seed it turned out to be. If Jesus would have done something wrong and gone to the cross, it wouldn't have been a seed. If he had gone to the cross without the, the lashes, it wouldn't have been as great a seed. If he had gone to the cross and had somebody else carry it to Golgotha, it wouldn't be as much of a seed. Jesus wanted the cross to be the biggest, baddest seed the world had ever seen. What are we celebrating? His defeat? No. We're celebrating the seed. We're celebrating what Jesus did as he laid his life and planted it into the earth. And out of that seed, he raised up an entire culture of Jesus people. People who walk around this earth, soon to be this place full of people who know how to walk on water and who know how to feed 20,000 people with a filet of fish sandwich, how to raise the dead, heal the sick. Imagine if I told, if I told uh, Ohm or one of those guys Volt, these guys that invented electricity, he said, you wouldn't believe it, 150 years from now, we're going to be talking into microphones that are, that are electrical signals are sent. He'd go, I can't possibly understand that. All that is, is the power of a seed. That's all it is. This understanding is about to change the world. Will it change your life? It's up to you. But it's about to change the world. All because. So you can't see it because you're so awesome, although you're awesome. You can only see it because of the seed. You can only see it because you know this guy, he the man. And when you align yourself underneath him, all of a sudden you can see what he could see, even if it's only in shadow, even if it's only in black and white you can see what he could see. So what are we celebrating? We're celebrating life in its awesomeness that each one of us have access to now. Here's why. Here's why. Hold these up in the air with you and say, Jesus, you're so awesome. You knew that if you planted your life out of that seed, the world, our world, my world, would be transformed. Thank you doesn't even come close. But thank you nonetheless. I'm so glad that I'm in your kingdom. I'm so glad that the destiny that you planted in my heart is about to come forth and transform this world in Jesus' name. Go ahead and receive that.